Hello, my finest of friends, and welcome to another Rahalastapa. This week with a man we've talked about a lot on the podcast. We've taken the mickey out of his show. He's come on to defend himself and prove me wrong. It's the host of the most fantastic TV show of all time, Tipping Point. It's Ben Shepard. Uh, there's so much more to him than Tipping Point, but Tipping Point is enough, isn't it? If you if you hosted that in your life, you'd think, well, that's that was a good life. Uh, he's fantastic. He's very open. He's very funny. I hope you will enjoy this podcast. I certainly did. Um, look, it's Christmas is coming. The goose is getting fat. Uh, please put a penny in the old man's hat. Um, and if you could do that by buying my book, Would You Rather, which is the perfect Christmas gift, very good secret Santa, lots of fun to play with your friends and family on Christmas Day and Boxing Day, um, family friendly, so you can enjoy it. Get it from gofasterstripe.com. You'll get a, a signed book plate with a, a one bald phallus on it, which you you know don't have to show to the children. You don't have to stick it in. You can stick it in or not. Uh, and uh, I think uh, a couple of stickers and stuff you get from the snooker stuff as well. So uh, get it from Chris Evans. He deserves the money. If you want, you can listen to the audio book of that, which is like a nearly four-hour-long podcast with me firing the, the would-you-rather questions at the brilliant Stevie Martin, and she is absolutely fantastic. Uh, so that's well worth getting if you enjoy the podcast. If you can support me by buying those books or that audio book, or, of course, the problem with men on book or audiobook, then that will mean I get to write more books. That will mean I can get to put out podcasts and not worry about paying my bills. Anyway, let's sit back, relax, and enjoy Rahalastapa with the wonderful, the handsome Ben, I think I can say that. The very sexy, I think I can say that, Ben Shepherd. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who ran 11 miles yesterday but still didn't escape himself. It's Richard Herring. Oh, thank you very much. Very polite. Very polite round of applause. Thank you very much for that. Uh, welcome to uh, Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. I was talking to Robert De Niro. Uh, uh, from uh, uh, Meet the Fockers <laughs> the other day. Uh, he calls it Rallastapa. That's what he calls it. That's, that's my impression. That's my impression. He said, you talking to me? I said, yes. He said, oh, I call it Rallastapa. Um, and uh, welcome to the show. Uh, I'm thinking of, of starting up a double, uh, a, a lookalike agency where I uh, only hire myself out as um, Brad Pitt uh, doing an impression of Robert De Niro. That is my... And only not without speaking as well. <laughs> uh, so welcome to the show. Yeah, I've been my race is very soon. Uh, as we record this three weeks, if you're listening at home, it's already happened, uh, and uh, it's going okay. It's very tiring running a long way. Uh, so do sponsor me at justgiving.com/monoball if you fancy uh, that. It's all the money's going to the hospitals that, uh, that mutilated my body. Um, you wouldn't do that as if a serial killer did it to you. You wouldn't give him money, would you? Don't know why this. Uh, anyway, I was, uh, I was on Twitter the other day. I saw Alan Cumming is on Twitter. He's got, I think he's got a book coming out or something. And I just, it struck me, I hope that Alan Cumming shouts his own name at the point of an orgasm. That's, that's what it's, we can... Alan Cumming! That's what I hope happens. 
joke about him. Uh, and uh, yeah, I had uh, an injury. I cut my finger uh, yesterday. There, still, can you might be as old as it. Yeah, uh, I was um, trying to open a childproof battery pack with a cheese knife because uh, the kitchen scissors were in the dishwasher. We've got other scissors, but I couldn't be bothered to go and find them instead. It worked. So I thought I'd use a not very sharp knife to do the job, which it, but it had a surprisingly sharp because I was using the prong end, and I kind of forgot that the sharp part of a cheese knife, and it was sharp when it cut me. Uh, I just wondered if that was the most middle-class injury that has, that has ever happened to anyone. Uh, it turns out it wasn't. I did mention on Twitter, and the rest of my day, uh, my Twitter feed was full of mainly avocado-based mishaps, I have to be said, but a random selection of them. Uh, Sean Hinton... Uh, burnt, I, I burnt myself on the steam from a Wi-Fi enabled slow cooker that contained a Nigel Slater duck recipe. Uh, Andy Keane, I once injured my wrist opening a jar of olives for an after-school classic symposium. Izzy Mant, comedian and producer. Uh, I aged 10, I cracked my head open on Christmas Day due to descending the stairs in my new tap shoes. Greg Jenner, a previous guest on this podcast a couple of times, cut myself on the strings of an antique lute. Uh, <laughs> uh, Dave Hughes, I gave myself a paper cut on my National Trust handbook. A couple of people have done that. It's very, it's very high quality paper. Dan Bowker, I sliced off a good chunk of my thumb on a mandolin making courgette spaghetti. You get the idea. It's a surprisingly uh, popular confessional for the bourgeoisie, uh, as it turned out. Right, I'll leave that bit till later. Uh, good, that's my stand-up for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. You talking to me? <laughs> can't, do the, can't do the voice. Can't do the voice. So, uh, look, uh, the, well, it's time to welcome this week's guest. He is probably best known as the host of Who Dares Sings... That's why we're here. To, who dares sings? Remember that? No. <laughs> Had a lot of things to choose from for the amazing Ben Shepherd, ladies and gentlemen. Here he is, <laughs> fan of the podcast. Ben, ben Shepherd. Who dares sings? Who dares, who dares sings? Who dares sings? Tell us about who dares sings, Ben. Uh, who dares sings? Do you know? I was wondering what you were going to pick out. It yeah. wasn't that. No. Thank goodness you didn't pick out what I thought you were going to pick out. <laughs> uh, Who Dares Sings was a show that I hosted with Denise Van Outen. And it was built, the premise was around uh, the sort of PlayStation game SingStar. Oh, yes. So we had an audience that were singing along. And if you sung in tune to the song that we were singing as an audience, if you were the most in tune, there were 100 in the middle, you got to come down and play the game. And you had to sing a song that was chosen from a big list. And depending on how in tune you were, how well you sung it, depended on how much money you were going to go through and you had to sing against, so I'd be singing against you. Yeah. And you'd be singing a Kylie Minogue number, obviously. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I'd be singing a Neil Diamond number. Yeah. And if I sung it better than you, if I was more in tune, if the computer, if the computer, this was the big flaw. <laughs> if the computer assessed that I had sung it better than you, I would go through. Yeah. So the problem with it was... I'm not sure that was the big flaw. Now, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you are right. Uh, but Denise, obviously Denise Van Outen, big West End, Broadway, internationally renowned recording artist. Yeah. Uh, she would sing in rehearsals. I would sing. I'd beat her every time. <laughs> uh, because she would embellish it and make it yeah. sound fabulous and gorgeous. And I would sing it very straight down the line, like yeah. the choir boy that I was. And I would win. And it used to drive her mad. Um, <laughs> but we did, actually, it was one of those shows. And I've made a lot of shows that were brilliant fun to make and were awful to watch 
So there's this thing that happens when you're making something, you're doing a pilot for something, you kind of go, you always talk about, yeah, that was great, that was great. What do you think it's going to be like to watch at home on a screen? It was all about being in the studio because it was a great, everyone was singing and dancing, having an amazing time. Everyone at home was going, this is rubbish. <laughs> but we did have, still the immortal line was uttered on that show one evening, which is what, and this was, these always made it for us. So the woman's come down, she's got through to the final and she's playing, uh, she's got all the way through to the final, she's about to sing for the final. And she's sung and she's got a certain amount of money, but obviously there's a gamble, she can take the risk. And uh, the question is, is she going to take the risk, Rich? Yeah. And I've gone, so, do you want to take the risk? He said, I'm not sure. I said, should we ask your friends? So her friend's in the audience. And her friend, Sheila, was up in the audience. I said, Sheila, should she take the risk? And she said, take the risk, do it for the caravan. <laughs> and that was it. Ben, I'm going to do it for the caravan. And she, well, the point of her coming was to win the caravan. She took the risk, she won the caravan. And I still think about her now. <laughs> when we think about these amazing prizes that you have, you know, they loved it. And she won this caravan. Yeah. And whenever she's on her holidays, wherever she is in her caravan, thinking about Who Dares Sings. So you lot might not know her, but she's yeah. still yeah. enjoying her holiday. Well, she'll go, I got this from Who Dares Sings. And exactly. they'll go, what? <laughs> <laughs> and they'll say, do you think that's offensive to the SAS to compare singing and tune? They loved it. What would you have chosen as your uh, as your credit if you if you'd have been looking for Ben Shepherd credits from IMDb? I don't know. No, I I I, I, I would <laughs> I would hate to point out. I thought I thought that you may have gone for. Uh, I was in a computer game. Oh, called Hard War. Okay. Like this was the first thing straight out of university, and I thought you might have I sort of even... really super obscure. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see that one. Oh, that's quite far down what the did... Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> What did you have to do in that? I, I played a cat. It was well, it was it was uh, so it was about 1997. So it was just as a lot of computer games were starting to employ actors and actresses to play sort of sim characters. Yeah. Nowadays they don't they don't do that at all, do they? It was, was going to be this big thing. Hollywood's going to have all these Hollywood actors were going to be in computer games. And I I just started working for a TV company, and, and the makeup artist's husband was directing this computer game. She said, "Do you want a part in it?" I said, "Yes." And it was brilliant because I, all, I was playing a character and if you had to go through, I mean, I imagine one or two of you like a computer game that are here. Um, <laughs> from what we just told me about you in the past. And just looking at the yeah. front row. <laughs> and uh, so you have to go through the various levels. I, I did any, is it, it's really obscure. Has any of, any of you played Hard War? Yeah, that's really obscure. Yeah. <laughs> as popular as Who Dare Sings. Uh, <laughs> But you had to go through various levels. But it was only if you got to a certain point you would see the bits that I had done. And I just played this character um, that had a couple of pieces of the camera to do. But at the end of it, I got beaten up and I got, I got um, killed on camera. So I got to die, which was brilliant. And I filmed it and I drove up to my friend's house and my, my now wife, she was girlfriend then, we turned up at my friend's house and I left the makeup on because the makeup was incredible. I mean, I was 19. I've sort of got black eyes and tattoos and I just looked amazing. And I got in the house and I went, and I said, oh, I've just been, I just pulled over at the petrol station, got into a fight, this bloke, and Annie lost it. She was like, get, phone the police. We're getting, and I, it took me everything to stop her phoning the police because I had this, this black eye and this cut down my neck. It was amazing. It was, it was, but I've never, I've never seen it. I've never no. been able to find it. Oh. Well, look out. Someone will have played it at home. Do email in and let us know if you've, if you if you've seen, if you killed Ben Shepherd in that game. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Well, part of the reason uh, I wanted you to come on is you're a, you're, you're, you're a listener to Halastapur. I am. I am. Uh, and you, you, you were just telling backstage that you, were, you had the kind of out-of-body experience of sort of be listening to it as a listener and then it suddenly being about you quite often. It's weird. Well, <laughs> yes. So 
I started listening to the, the podcast um, a long time ago. And there was the, the strangest moment when I was, I was I'd left um, White City. We filmed Good Morning Britain's filmed at um, the, the old BBC building now. And I was going over to the train station, the tube stop. And I was listening, just minding my own business. And all of a sudden, you start banging on about Tipping Point and talking about what an idiot I am uh, for asking questions about why is he asking, why is it going to drop? What do you think of that? <laughs> it's physics, Ben. We can't control it. <laughs> and, I'm and I'm sort of looking around. It's one of those, obviously, I get in it. And you look around thinking, can, is anyone else hearing this? this <laughs> and I just got really hot and sweaty, yeah. really uncomfortable. And then he carried, and then I just got really indignant. I was like, what do you mean? Of course you've got to ask why you're doing it. And then carried on. And every time you do it, it's the weirdest thing. Cause, and obviously I became aware of your obsession with Tipping Point and, yeah. and getting on to Tipping Point, uh, which I had to facilitate for you. <laughs> and, and, but then the other day, you were, I was listening to the Parapod the other day and the, yeah. and the guys were talking about it. And it, it's, 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 it always strikes me as very strange. It's lovely as well. Yeah. It may, always makes me giggle. But they're not slightly nervous as to what anyone's going to say. Yeah. But the thing is, it is just you commenting on counters falling down. Whether can <laughs> so you know it was it's a valid point I was making. No. And continue. No, to no, make. no, no. Because your point, Richard Herring, yeah. as you well know, yeah. was just being a grumpy old so-and-so <laughs> because you couldn't get on the show. This is a rubbish show. <laughs> and he's because I would because the counter would drop, and then you always made the point about, and I would say, what do you think? about where it's dropped. Yeah. And, well, I, what, what should I think, Ben? It's physics, it's just <laughs> dropped. But of course you've got an idea, and you know this only too well. Like, he <laughs> pretends, he pretends. Like We all know how competitive he is. Competitive he is. You think he's going to turn up and he's going to be all blase and stuff. Honestly, he was like a kid in a sweet <laughs> Yeah, I've, We've had some people come on and get excited, but no one got quite as excited. <laughs> yeah, compared to Biggins, you blew Biggins away. Right, really? And he yeah. was dressed for panto. <laughs> I have to admit that I wasn't as sarcastic about it as I thought I would be. Yes. Because I did get caught up in the magic of it. <laughs> there is an emergency question as well in my emergency question book, which I apologise, misspelt your name, but that's your fault. Have you really? Um, this is in the original emergency question book, and you know you're probably the best person to answer this question. <laughs> what do you think Ben Shepherd really feels about presenting Tipping Point? <laughs> tell you what Ben Shepherd thinks about yeah. it. He absolutely loves it. When, Every single minute of it. When they first came to you and said, Ben, I've got this idea for a game show. <laughs> do you remember those, th those machines at the arcade? Yeah, the Penny Falls 2P in. We're going to do that, but with really big counters and stuff. Did you think, yeah, that's not going to work. I'll do Who Dares Sings instead. <laughs> no, because I'd just done Who Dares Sings. <laughs> I was happy the phone had rung, Rich. I think, so where, you're right. It's, it's, so it's... Oh, of course, you look at something like that, you think, now, is this going to work? So here's the, th you know, we're talking about the challenge of sort of something in the studio. Is it going to translate at home on telly? When I first got approached, they said, but this is what we're going to do. I said, that sounds extraordinary. I love those machines as a kid. Who doesn't love those machines? Yeah. I get sent weekly so many pictures of kids playing the machine and uh, uh, wherever the arcade is on their, on their holidays, particularly in the summer, and, and commentating on stuff. It's really, really lovely. Like, kids love it. We all love it. We've got that nostalgia about it. But a giant one of those, is it just a bit gimmicky? And then I went and we saw, and I saw the first iteration of the machine, which had been built by this amazing guy called Steve Webster, Webbo, who if you ever see, a, if, there's a, if there's a game or contraption or like the cube, for example, on the cube, all the cube games, the crystal dome in the crystal maze, Webbo's built all those things. If there's something right. on telly that's built that works really well, he's built it. 
if it doesn't work so well, he always says it wasn't him. <laughs> but so Webbo, and so what, and everyone always says, is there a man dropping them in? And actually, that first time we did the run through, there was the four, what we now call drop zones. And it was a really stripped back version. And Webbo was at the top. And he was, and I was going, where do you want to drop it? And the, and the woman was going, oh, sort of on the left-hand side. And I'm going, well, go across. And he was shuffling along. And when do you want to drop it? Now. And he was dropping it in. And it was one of those things going, this looks so strange. But it was brilliant fun to play. Now, you've played it. Yeah. And it is so involving. I've just been with a friend who's done the show as well. I was just exercising with him. And we were talking about it. And he said, I haven't watched it. And it was the best fun to play. Even better to play than to watch, he said. Yeah. I don't know whether you can comment on that. But I, and that's what I get every single time. So as soon as I thought, well, look, it's brilliant to play. They're going to let us do a few. We'll see how it gets on. We had a great laugh making it. And very quickly, initially, it's like, what is this? And then very quickly, it built up momentum. And now, you know, series 12, 1,500 episodes later, it's, it's still going strong. And I, I still, you know, as, as, as sarcastic and cynical as you would like to be, <laughs> uh, you know, it's an absolute gift. It is a, to, it's, it's really become woven into people's daily lives. And that's something that you can... We never knew it was going to do that. Yeah. None of us ever knew that was what it was going to do. And I get sent lovely messages from people watching it because it's huge in New Zealand and Australia. It gets shown in Africa. Um, we had a, a, a girl who was living over here who was from Ghana and her family will be able to watch it. It was on in Ghana on one of the BBC channels or one of the, the channels that is streamed over there. And, and then I get messages from people saying, my grandparents are very lonely, very ill, and it's, it gives them the comfort in the afternoons. And it's, that's really special. And you just forget that. We're just making a TV show. But there is an essence to it and a heart to it that I think really shines through. And I just love it, Rich. I expect if you live in a country where they don't have those machines in arcades, it'll be even better though, right? It's just as a surreal... Even more magic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? What is this machine that gives out 50 coins? <laughs> now, um... Someone emailed me, and I think I might have talked about this on a previous podcast, and said, and I didn't see the, how the machines worked when it was there, and they insisted that the machine works with a man with a broom pushing the shelves. <laughs> is that, can you confirm if that is he's true or false? He's sitting on a bicycle, and he cycles, <laughs> and that powers it in and out. That's not how it happens, okay. no. I can't believe, did you not nip round the back of the machine? And... I didn't have a look, I should, I should have done, because I, I was too excited about it. You're not really supposed, I mean, you don't want to ruin the magic of it as no. well, do you? Not if it's a man with a broom. <laughs> um, and uh, I wondered actually whether someone else, or someone on Twitter was was saying you know it doesn't um, quite capture the magic of the of of uh, the original machines in that they a had like weird things like packets of refreshers and stuff in them, but also if you you would try and tip the machine, Give it a nudge, and then and then an angry man would come out. Yeah, the did, arms did go you, off. Did you, get you think out. about having? Do you think about having an angry man if you could just nudge it a little bit? Webbo's round the back. He gets very angry <laughs> if anyone goes near it, it, it remotely aggressively. It's yeah. a very sensitive piece of kit. Okay, uh, but we did talk about we have from series one and two or whatever it was we did talk about i really wanted to put things into the machine yeah and that's why we have mystery counters now they sort of similar that the prob the problem we have is that the unscrupulous or unscrupulous uh arcade owners can use their machines in a way where they don't they're not controlled by ofcom and regulations <laughs> much as we would like to put gold Rolex watches <laughs> and fluffy teddy bears on, that might obscure some money coming out. Okay. And we're, so we're not allowed, we have talked about trying to do that, but we can't, we have to make it, sadly, as fair and, as possible. And also on the original machine, someone was saying there's a channel where the, the coins fall in. Drop out down the side. You should have that for you. For that's <laughs> what you, get, you get whatever, <laughs> get out of the machine. Now that's, that's something we can look into. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, and they also play the sound of, it's like Vegas, they play yeah. the sound of winning. 
Right. Winning coins, dropping in yeah. to drag you in and, okay. and all that sort of stuff. Now, also, this week I've been watching Squid Game. Have you watched Squid Game I yet? Have, yeah. Do you not think Tipping Point would be, would be good if it had that added sort of <laughs> life and death yeah. element to it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. would really oh, fit into it, Squid Game, wouldn't it? And we did it in Korean. <laughs> did you spend the whole time Googling what that two million one is? Like, yes. I was, I spent li- the whole time I had to have my one calculator so I knew what, <laughs> what they oh, They're only playing for 200 quid. That's not so much. <laughs> Until it gets to the end and then it was, then it was really worth it, wasn't I think it? it's about 28 million pounds, something like that. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I did Google it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it's confusing that it's one as well because it sounds like you've won. Yes, some, absolutely. So, yeah. It's good until the VIPs come in and they're meant to be talking... It's a, they, the, 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 no spoilers though, Richard. Well, the VIPs come in, but the way they, they talk in English, but it's like, it's like if I was trying to write Koreans, how Koreans speak. Badly dubbed, <laughs> it yeah. Would just, it sort of comes out really, yeah. It's, it's, it's a good show. It's fascinating, isn't it? I, I think, think with a, a bit of life, I think a late night version where Off contestants could be killed <laughs> if they don't, they don't make enough. I imagine it's being pitched somewhere yeah. along the way. It's going to happen, right? I tell you, Squid Game is going to, there will be, a, yes. there will be a game show yeah. Where I've always thought, like, if there was a game show where there was like a hundred contestants and the winner, I think there's an emergency question about it. the winner gets ten million pounds. Everyone else, so there's a second prize, third place gets a ten pound book token, but the person who comes last is executed. <laughs> right? I think people would do it because they think a oh, hundred to one, I'm not going to get executed, and they're not going to do it. They won't execute me. But then you do it. Then you actually do yeah. do it. <laughs> Have you pitched this? <laughs> but I reckon people would watch it. Go for it. You yeah. never know. There's got to be a streaming service somewhere that would do it. <laughs> Also, you just put it on Twitch with your snooker. I'll do it. I'll do it myself. You're right. Don't I'm like, I shouldn't give these. You'd be every contestant, and then you'd have to kill yourself. Again. <laughs> um, what I liked when I was on it, what I liked about it, and I can't can't remember the young lady's name. There was a young lady from Love Island on Olivia. With, Olivia Atwood, and uh, she wasn't getting much right. But there was a point where it was the the coins were so balanced. I looked at it and realised if she gets this question right, and that goes. She is going to win. She's going to beat me. So you can have someone get everything right and not get any coins out. And then someone gets one question right and wins. Absolutely. And that happens regularly. And I think that's one of the things that people love about it, unless you're playing on the game and you feel like you've got a sort of advantage because you've got strategy or you've you've got some decent general knowledge. It's a real leveller. Undoubtedly, we have it all the time. It's a huge leveller in that someone can set up all those counters. It can do something. and, And... Perhaps the most, the least deserving person in terms of answering questions gets through. Yeah. Um, I, it, it's that. That's the thing that sort of still surprises me now. And I've stood in front of it, and the shelf goes in and out. I think there's something quite hypnotic about the shelf as well. But there's still that element of not knowing what's going to happen, and it that sort of comes out of nowhere. That, that's because you know you can't predict what's going to happen, can you, with gravity? Because of gravity. Yeah, but you can, no, yeah, you don't I know what's going to happen. Of course, but you can comment on whether you like where it's gone or not. Yeah, that was think, what I was getting at. Do you think you understand gravity better? Do you think you are better <laughs> at having watched that so many times? Do you think you're better at judging whether things are going to fall? Just in life. One of my favourite films. I love Sandra. <laughs> Sandra Bullock, amazing. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't. I. I. That. That. I. I think I am better at predicting what it's going to do. Yeah. Because I've watched it so many times. Yeah, we should be, shouldn't you? But. <laughs> <laughs> but I still wouldn't be able to tell you because I can't sort of guarantee it. No. Someone was asking you on Twitter how you count them up so quickly when they fall and I said you were like Rain Man. And you. You, you were able to... <laughs> That's exactly how... That's how it does. There's no pause in... Initially, pause. when... when <laughs> secret about what we did when we first started, the idea um, was that the counters would fall into the, the wind zone, the tray at the bottom. And there'd be a very clever mechanism that would weigh them right. really quickly tell me how many there were and then the tray would sort of drop down and they'd all fall out the back and close it 
and that didn't work. Okay. No, we very quickly realised we just got to count them. <laughs> yes. I got to count them three or four times as well yeah. because you have to make sure that none of them have been forgotten or missed. Yeah. Okay. It's very strict. It's, isn't you it? know, You've been you know there. it's good. It's it is. It's a very good show. I recommend it. And there was a, a last month or a couple of months ago, there was uh, a couple of the sort of stupid answers that had come up, which you must have a lot of. So there was someone saying, "What's the city in the Netherlands?" That I can't remember what it was, but the, something to do with the yeah. Where court, is the where is the European Court of Justice? Yeah, where is the European Court of Justice? Which some, city in, in which city in the Netherlands is? Would you find the European Court of Justice? And they, and they said Belgium. They said Belgium, and then and then the other guy said, "No, it's not Belgium. It's uh, Geneva." Yeah. Uh, we had, yeah, I think so. When it, but as you know, when you're under pressure, with all, like, you've got to give a caveat to anyone that's oh, willing yeah. to go on a quiz show, first and foremost. But we can still enjoy their questions. Yeah. So we had a, we've had a few over the years. We had one the other day is which political party shares its name with a collective noun for moles? Liberal Democrats was the answer <laughs> I got. Uh, when that was one that she'd thought about. Yeah. Um, the, that wasn't, yeah, that was not like under pressure. It's UKIP, seconds. right? It's UKIP. It's a yeah, UKIP of moles. Yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows that, what those little moles are like. Uh, the mythical creature, the unicorn, has what structure on its head? <laughs> right. An icicle. <laughs> uh, what Maybe. date, traditionally, is Christmas celebrated on? <laughs> Wednesday. <laughs> uh, 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 oh, uh, one of my favourites, and I, ca I can't do this justice because the guy that gave us the answer was a Geordie, so he's a fabulous accent. And again, this was a round three question which is where you get to pass it backwards and forwards like the Liberal Democrats. And it was a question, and so he had a really good think about it. And, uh, and I said, the question was, um, uh, horses of a reddish-brown colour share their name with what sort of window? So horses of a reddish-brown colour mm -hmm. share their name with what sort of window? And he's had a good think about this, and he said, I'm going to go for this one, Ben. I've, uh, I think I know the answer. Yep, uh, we're actually doing a house up at the moment and I put a couple of these in. I'm like, great, sounds <laughs> like he knows it. So horses of a reddish brown colour, share them in what type of window? Is it Velux, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, I, there, there's priceless moments like that that I think are really magical. Yeah. It's Bay, by the way, Rich. Good. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know. No. I, I wouldn't have gone for it. I could I'd have passed that over. Yes, you could have passed it. Well, I couldn't remember Mills and Boom, which, you know, there was... You just your mind goes blank, and I passed it over. And then by the time it came, she had got had she got it wrong. It was quite good because I could just pass it to Oliver, and she would get it wrong anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Which some would say is quite cruel. Yeah, uh, but you know well, that's you, know, you, isn't it? It is. That's what it was all about. Winning. There was a guy from Poldark or something on it. Joe McFadden. Yeah, amazing Joe McFadden. And look, I think he was in. I think he was in the Crow Road. He Joe was. McFadden. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He and, was the and the Crow Road. They changed the book, the co-road, which was about um, the, him being a, a, a stand-up comedian who toured with Newman and Baddiel. And on the TV show, it was Lee and Herring. And they went, yeah, there's shit, they're wankers or something like that. So it was a long game I was playing against Joe McFadden. No. But I got, I got right? back, yeah, so I got him back. So you were in the co-road when they made the TV? They mentioned, we were on TV when they mentioned, so in the co-road, the guy was, I don't know if it was his character, was, um, he was, the lead, wasn't was, uh, was touring with Lee and Herring. So yeah, that's, that, we, were a bit, we were a big deal. Did you bring that up with Joe? No, I'd, I didn't realise I'd, I realize that until afterwards. <laughs> After you'd but seen was, him off. But I was glad, because he was annoyed, because I, I tactically nudged him out the he game. He passed, didn't he? You? you made yeah. him play. Right, and he was, he was quite pissed off. After people, having people having travelled to Bristol just to get knocked out straight away. 
People on Twitter don't like that. Don't, don't pass. <laughs> if you pass a counter in the round one, which is a tactical thing, isn't it? Yeah. It sets the tone. It's good. Now, do you remember when we met before Tipping Point? We met in, in a very special occasion. Yeah. Buckingham Palace. We did meet at Buckingham yeah, yeah. Palace. You and I, I think our first time, maybe it might not have been the first time. You were time waiting, I weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, we had actually two of the people who used to come to our show were waiting. It was a very weird day. That night? They they were waiting that night, and I was just talking about them and saying oh, I haven't been at rehearsal for a while. They're, they're butlers at the they're butlers at Buckingham Palace, and I looked around, and one of them was over my shoulder. <laughs> <giving> me, <laughs> um, and then they never came again. Uh, yeah, we were we were introduced to Princess Anne at the same time. Amazing! It was, a, yeah. it was an extraordinary night. Though, wasn't it was. It, it was uh, for the Moton Your Own uh, Disease Charity, yeah. and um, we had on Good Morning Britain we. Uh, we'd, we'd quite early on, as it turned out, I thought it was quite late because the Americans had been doing it for a while. We did the, the ice bucket challenge and we did it live. And that sort of really kicked off people doing it over here in the UK. And it had this huge impact on the charity. I think the charity sort of, the, the, the money that they made from that was just astronomical compared to what they usually make. It was just an extraordinary thing. And she is the patron of yeah. the MND Association. And so they said, look, would you guys like to come along uh, and come for dinner? That's why I was there. Yeah. Why, why were you there? Well, I was there. What had you done? I've done nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'd done, what I'd done is I'd done quite a lot of work for Scope. Right. And the guy who now, who used to be work for Scope, had moved to the Motineer and see Charity and he had two spare seats. So, he <laughs> so I, think me and, I think me and Greg Davis kind of got invited along. I don't think we'd done anything. What? <laughs> There was only about 30 people there. <laughs> there was hardly anyone there. It was there. really intimate. It yeah. was the most extraordinary night and you had blagged it. Yeah. <laughs> it was a month after my daughter had been with us. It was our first, my, me and my wife's first date after our first Have you baby. even donated to the M&D no, Association? No, I did what? nothing. I didn't, do the, I didn't do the ice bucket Someone challenge. Someone get a bucket. Let's I, do it now. I, I hate people who've got motor neuron disease. <laughs> Very prejudiced against them. Stephen Hawking was there. I know, Stephen Hawking was there. Did you, I bet you even went and said hello to him as well, didn't you? <laughs> you really made the most of it. I mean, <laughs> I can't believe that. You have no shame, it literally. Was really, it was the most. It was a really nice I dinner. Like, oh, this is great. I've been a big fan. This is fantastic. He's obviously a support of the charity. He's done something. No! He's just living. I think they were, he was trying to poach me across. Well, Greg Davies, don't tell me Greg wasn't there. I don't there. think Greg had done anything. I'm not sure. I mean, because me and Greg were sat at one end and really confused about why we were there. <laughs> With Stephen Hawking, Victoria Wood was there. Yes. Some people who are still Lady alive Gower. were there as well. Yeah, he's still alive. Uh, and, um, my mum. Your mum was there. I think Greg, I think you, well, no, because you, your mum was mistaken for Greg's Yes, okay. so my mum's about five foot two. Yeah. Greg, as we know, is 17 feet, something about that. And there was a picture, because I think Hello or OK were there. Did you even get in one of those pictures as well? <laughs> I bet you did. Uh, and and uh, there was a picture. It's Greg Davies with his mum. <laughs> that, that was the caption. My mum was sort of looking up at it. <laughs> it was amazing. I think he might have come with his mum as well, though, Greg. So I think that's where the confusion came from. But yes. My, my, my wife, we weren't allowed to take my mobile phones in. We had to put, do you remember, do you, yeah. had to put them in my, my wife, because we just had a baby like a month before. And my wife, this is the first time we'd ever been away from the baby. So my wife snuck in her mobile phone against the rules and took it in. Literally yeah. no respect whatsoever. <laughs> Took a few photos of Princess Anne. It was quite good. It was nice to go into the Buckingham Palace, wasn't it, and be in the midst of that? But it was lovely to go into Buckingham Palace, but also, like, you go through a few of the state rooms, which, if you've ever been to Buckingham Palace, you get to go through. Of course through. they haven't, they're scum. <laughs> like, they're Some like of the you, work they're not like, they're not like you and me, Ben. <laughs> and, uh, but we were taken into some of the really private, secret... Do you remember that when she came out, 
we were in, I don't know, we were in the white room or whatever, one of the studies. Yeah. And she came out through a secret door. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It was so cool. I mean, like literally, <laughs> this wall panel suddenly just went backwards. And we're like, what's that? And she came through with a couple of people and then sort of had a lovely chat. Did you talk to her? Yeah, we talked. We, we were together. Talk, that's when I met you and Princess Anne at the same time. And I can't remember what she said because I was so impressed to meet you. I... <laughs> <laughs> so what, do you remember what you asked her? I don't. She was, I can't remember what you were talking about. I probably, again, we were so tired. She is at least the acceptable face of the royal family. I liked her. And she, she was she's one, she's one of the good she's ones, right? She was great. <laughs> Hopefully, touch wood. Um, <laughs> I like her a lot. I do. I really liked her. I thought she was very down to earth yeah. and very cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even with you lot blagging your way in. I know. It's amazing, isn't it? Unbelievable. I didn't even, even touch an ice cube. Unbelievable. <laughs> you owe them. You owe them something. <laughs> I think he got into trouble because I think Scope thought he was trying to steal me from Scope to MND. But like, so, you're, like you're in hot demand at yeah, Scope. Yeah, because I make, I make quite, I do, I'm, I was doing like a, a random marathon for them and I do, I, like I do collections asset. for them. And, do they have um, you on a wall saying, where's do. our they hot should, assets? They should do. They should we do. need to look after and nurture him. They should, they should do. I do a lot for Scope, but you know. I'm very, I do a lot for charity, so much that other charities invite me to dinners <laughs> in the hope of getting me across. Um, look, I want to talk, there's so much I want to talk to you about. We've done so well already, Ben. It's been, you know, I thought we might talk about Tipping Point the whole time, but. Um, you have, you've, done, you've had three world records in your time, and uh -huh. you, you still hold one of them, I believe? Yes, I think I do, by virtue of the fact that no one's ever tried to do it again. I was thinking uh, I might try it, but... Oh, yeah, 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 go for it. Tell I, us I what, guarantee tell us. you won't be able to do it. I oh, know, it's, 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 uh, I think it's eminently doable by okay. somebody. I'm just saying not you. Okay. <laughs> what is the uh, one you've got still? So I think it's the Smashing Pumpkins one. Yeah, it is, yeah. How many pumpkins can you smash in a minute? Yeah. How many did you do? Am I right in saying I did 12? I don't know, I didn't, doesn't I say... I think I did about be... 11 or 12. Right. And the other three people, Chris Evans was one of them. Yeah. I think Joe Swash might have been the other... And one of the others, I think they, and Peter Andre maybe, I think they did yeah. three between them. Okay. I, I got a bit carried away. In fact, I got so carried away, they gave us a hammer, you had to smash them. So carried away, I hit myself in the head with the hammer. Right. So by the time I finished it, it was sort of some blood dripping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to win this thing. Do you think the others just stopped because yeah. they were looking and going, what's they're this going, maniac? Nutter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So how, about, how much do you have to smash them to count as a smash? You've got to break it in half. It's got to cut, got to break down in half. Okay. So you get given a hammer. I know. Minute? Ten. A minute, how many? I can do 30. Let's see. Bring out the pumpkins! <laughs> and the ice bucket. <laughs> because the other two world records have been beaten. Mm -hmm. And what's enjoyable is they've both been beaten by celebrities. Yes, of course. Uh, the highest reverse bungee jump. Yeah. How high did you do? I went 180 something feet. Right. With higher than Nelson's column. What does reverse mean? Like you're just back front in the harness or they start at the bottom and, and push you up? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> harness is painful. So, they, so you, you've got your, your tie to the ground. Yeah. They extend the elastic cable upwards yeah. uh, on, a, on a cherry picker or whatever it is. And then on a certain count, they pull the pin and you go flinging up into the air. Okay. Like that. Uh, yeah, it's about 280 feet, I think I went. Okay. Who beat that record? Am I right in saying it was the Hoff? It was. <laughs> so, no, 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 no sort of qualms about him taking it off me. The, the really funny thing about that, this is, this is actually true. Uh, we did that. I was doing a show with Fern at the time and um, Fern Cotton, she, we co-hosted it, was for Sky. So we had to do all these, these challenges. Right. And so she was doing it and I was doing it and I happened to go further, so I got the record. But that Christmas, my brother-in-law bought 
Sam and Jack, my kids, some top trumps. And it was Guinness World Record top trumps. And they happened to be playing it. And one of them was me, <laughs> like gen genuinely. And like, I had no idea. One of them, and so they were playing top. I was rubbish though. I was really bad. It was the, it was the worst. They were like fighting over who had to have me as the yeah. top trump. It was the opposite of what you want. But that, yeah, so I made it into top trumps, but the Hoff's got that on and then. Yeah. Surely that's just whoever sets up the, the thing though. How, There's no skill in it, is there? Uh, no. no, no. I'd like to think there is, but no, no. The smashing pumpkins is much more. Of a There's challenge. a lot of skill in that. And then your other one was uh, most pancakes tossed in a minute. Yeah. How many did you do? How many pancakes? I did 120. That's pretty good. I, yes, and I heard you had someone on who who had this record previously to uh, me. I think really. On, yeah, and and or it was on another podcast, and I can't remember who it was. And, and they couldn't remember. I remember doing it, because it's two a second, right, Rich? Yeah, good that's very good. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so I, for is that- Is it the same pancake or did it to 100? Is it same pancake, same pancakes in the pan. Yeah. Clock starts, you go. Okay. So 120 in a minute. Yeah. And, um, and then I think it was beaten the next day though. It was beaten the day after. Was it the day after? Do you remember who beat you in that one? Um, it was a chef, wasn't it? It was. Was it a chef? Yeah. Uh, Aldo, was it Aldo Zilli? It was Aldo Zilli, correct. Blooming Aldo Zilli. Yeah. Pain in my life. Uh, yeah, he's a bigger tosser. <laughs> yeah. Very good. But, but, um, but I, did, have you done Aldo? Was it Aldo you were talking to? No. I no. Okay. Maybe that was on something else. It might. You know, I've talked to a lot of people. I, yeah. I wipe my... I just wipe it out of my, my head once it's yeah. over. It's, you know, Only so much bandwidth, isn't I there? Don't, yeah, I don't listen back to these. <laughs> <laughs> Probably best. <laughs> yes. Um, well, three world records, not bad. And also, you've been, you did start out and want to be an actor when you were starting out, and you have acted in a few things, and there's some surprising credits. Is there? That I, well, that I had to double-check were real, because you were saying I might, was going to pop in and put... But you were in Friends? Yes. Yeah, I am in Friends. Yeah. Every now and again, I get, I get messages from people on, on social media just going, oh, I've just seen you. <laughs> uh, the one where Joey's late. Any Friends fans in? No, no. different crowd, isn't it? Yeah, there's they not many have, around the world, is there? We could have David Schwimmer on here. They wouldn't come and see him. They wouldn't. They wouldn't, they wouldn't, they come, wouldn't, out. Matt they wouldn't come out. Matt LeBlanc. Uh, yeah, so it was it was one of those things. We did. We were doing a set visit to the set of Friends, which was really incredible. I mean, it's an amazing setup over there, and um, we weren't allowed to speak to the cast, but we could speak to Martha Kaufman, who is one of the exec producers. You see at the end of the credits, and um, and that night we knew that they were filming Joey's premiere, <clears throat> and the, the crew that I was with, it was the sort of thing we were doing a lot of at the time. And I said to the boys that I was with, I said, do you, fa do you fancy trying to be in the episode? And they said, how are you going to get in the episode? I said, leave this to me. <laughs> and Martha Kaufman was sitting there and we're chatting away. She was really lovely, just obviously, you're talking everything about friends. And I said, oh, what are you filming tonight? We're filming a premiere. So we'll have a red carpet and there'll be crews and all that stuff. I said, oh, that's going to be really interesting for us to see. Because that's what we do all the time. We're at premieres and this, that and the other. So it'd be great to watch the Hollywood version of that. And she went, I've got a great idea. <laughs> Would you guys like to be on the red carpet? I'm like, well, that's a myth. Yeah, we'd love, really, is that all right? So she said, we've invited us down. And there's this brilliant moment. And this is the only reason you can see me. is because what they said was, so there's all these crews lined up and Joey and Chandler get out and they walk down the red carpet. Like this, and, and the camera's shooting up the red carpet. And they said, right, uh, so don't lean over the rope and don't look at the camera down there. And, I, and, and so we stood there and, all these, and they get out and they're walking down. And my producer just shoved me like this. And I've leant right out, looked at the camera and gone, <laughs> Stuck my mic out. Joey, Joey, like this. And you can see this. You see Matthew Perry look at me, sort of reel backwards. <laughs> They're not supposed to be coming near us. He reels backwards and looked at me like I'm mad trying to chat. But of course, the whole thing is done in silence because they're doing their lines. So yeah. there's all this sort of hubbub is put in the edit afterwards. 
Um, but it was an, it was a re genuinely amazing experience. Yeah. Sort you, of doing that and being in there. Were you disappointed you weren't asked to the reunion, be on the reunion episode? I, well, I, I was. Yeah. I was, but I, I decided that it wasn't about me. Okay. I, 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 I shouldn't be there. And you've also, you're in Harry Potter. Is that oh, the same yes. deal? Now that's really cool. That is cool. I did a series of documentaries behind the magic right. um, on sort of four, five, and six, or three, four, five, and six. And I had a part in the Half Blood Prince. It didn't look unlike yourself. Uh, long flowing locks and a moustache and beard. They did you up? Yeah, so, uh, so it looked like a young serious Black. I was a wizarding parent, so I'm in all of about 24 frames in, <laughs> um, uh, in the scene at, uh, at uh, George and um, his brother's Weasley's Wizarding Wheezes in the, we in the, in the shop, yeah. and they walk past us. But brilliantly, one of the kids that was one of my kids in that was the son of the head of publicity, a lovely woman called Vanessa. And she went to David Yates, who was the producer. She watched the first pass, and they had us at a certain point. And she went over to David, and she said, um, David, you know Ben's doing this. He's got to be more in shot. Get Ben more in shot. <laughs> and the only reason was, so I took her son with me. So, <laughs> so as Harry and Ron and Hermione walked past, we're right there with me and her son. But it was, uh, you know, that, that was... A, a, the sad thing for me about that is that my boys were too little at the time to really... I mean, they f love and adored Harry Potter as yeah. they've grown up. But that all happened before they were big enough to be able to come down because that's the sets that they do. And if you ever get to go to Leavesden to the Harry Potter theatre, it's just mind-blowing. Sure. Incredibly talented people. And to be there, and we were there when they finished filming on one of the days and, and stuff and watch those kids grow up was real. That was a real sort of privilege. And you felt up Julie Walters during <laughs> <laughs> Funny that you were drawn to that. I did. Uh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Accidentally, obviously, <laughs> Rich. Uh, she had a lot of padding. Yeah, and I and I didn't realise, but I managed to uh, grab a sort of bit of Walter Weasley's chest. Right. She didn't seem to mind, by the way. <laughs> uh, she brought it up, and uh, she was sort of quite happy about it. Okay. When I say happy, I don't mean happy. <laughs> she thought it was funny. Yeah. Okay. And I was mortified. <laughs> She's national treasure. What are you doing? She is. Leave her alone. Um, <laughs> and you also talking about famous people's breasts. You've also <laughs> peeping tommed on Kate Garraway's breasts as well. <laughs> I'm, don't, I'm not trying to out you here. I'm not trying to get you into trouble. Sounds like you're doing your best. <laughs> I... <laughs> so... Oh, you know, I said, like, when I'm listening to the whole podcast, I get really hot when you're talking about me. <laughs> I'm suddenly in it now and getting hot. So Kate used to live... We used to live around the corner for each other in North London. And uh, do you know, I didn't tell this, I didn't tell anyone this for years. And then I made the mistake of telling Chris Moyles. And he <laughs> then went on the radio the next day and told the story. So then I ha he said, you've got to tell Kate because I'm going to tell this story. So I had to tell her. So I went and I was meeting her for, for a cup of tea or for lunch or something like that. And I lived over the road and I, I sort of cycled over to her house. And she lived in North London. There's lots of sort of townhouses in North London. And the basement is often the kitchen. And then there's sort of very tall, narrow houses. The basement's the kitchen. So the bit below ground <laughs> is the kitchen. And I've cycled up. And of course, Kate has completely forgotten or is, you know, disorganized and hadn't organized herself. Uh, well, not, uh, maybe she wasn't. Maybe she wasn't. <laughs> maybe it was intended. <laughs> I, now I come to think about it. I, I'm, locking up my, I'm locking up my bike and I can see into the kitchen. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> All of a sudden, Kate, who's clearly been asleep because we've been up early, walked into the, into the kitchen, topless. But she's below ground level, so she's not thinking anyone's looking. So she wasn't <laughs> expecting me to be leaning into... 
tie my bike up. And I had one of those moments where I just, fro- literally, I froze. I thought, if I don't move, she might not see me. Do I want to, sa- oh my God, what am I doing? And then like, it's like, you can't stop staring. I'm like, look, stop staring at her boobs. And she was just pottering around. And I sort of, I just really quietly unclipped my bike and sort of slid out sideways, cycled home and never said anything. I didn't say, okay, I didn't phone her and say, well, right, I'm coming around for a cup of tea. All right, come around. I was, like, I was so embarrassed that I'd seen her like that. Yeah. And it, I mean, it was years later, I eventually told her. Yeah. And she was, and I said, and eventually I said I've, got something, I've got something I've got to tell you. She said, what is it? What is it? And I said, well, the, you know, I don't know if you remember, and I came around and locked the bike up and you walked in, you were topless. And, and, and I, I'm really sorry, it was about 10 years ago. She was, but that's wonderful. 10 years ago, they would have been fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> Pre-kids and everything. She was like, how did it? I said, look, Kate, let's not dwell on how it looked. I'm just embarrassed that it all happened. But brilliant, Kate being brilliant and amazing that she is. She thought it was absolutely hysterical. Oh, good. Well, we, you probably won't get in trouble. You did. T- yeah, yeah, I saw it on a, you talking about it on uh, the on the show. So, you know, you, <laughs> I, haven't got a, I haven't got an exclusive. Um, uh, it's, uh, so, I mean, that, it, it is... It is Weird when you go back and, and uh, look at a guest, and I have this all the time with people because people who you, you've been working pretty much consistently for 25 years, I'd say, haven't you? It's probably about 25 years since you started. It's, yeah, it's not far off that. Yeah, thing. yeah. So you were started on, you started as, was it the bit, the bigger breakfast? Was that your first? I, I started doing a, um, I, so I started, my first proper job was a show called Control Freaks on Channel 4, which was a little short promo show that on Saturdays and Sundays that just advertised the other shows that were coming. Right. Um, I'd, I'd done a screen test for, <clears throat> um, for actually for, for Disney at the time, and it was to do the kids part of GMTV. So GMTV sort of gave off their Saturday and Sunday morning hours to Disney, and they did a show called Dig It or Digging It. And, and I did a screen test for that. Um, and in, at that screen test, I met Andy Peters, who at the time was just about to go to Channel 4 to set up all of their teen brands. And... The Disney guys, I did a screen test with Fern Cotton when she was 16. We right. did a screen test together. So we'd been friends all the way back then. And, and I didn't get that job. But Andy then took me to Channel 4, wanted me to launch T4, which some people might remember. But Control Freaks was the first thing. So he wanted me right. to start doing stuff. And then I got The Bigger Breakfast, did that with Melanie Sykes, yeah. which was incredible, and Josie Darby, and, and, um, and an amazing place to be. So to be, so when you look back, everyone thinks, looks back at The Big Breakfast and so it's, amazing nostalgia and they bought it back recently didn't they um and it was great to see them down at and then house and everything and, and i was part of that for a short period of my life it was really magical cool and so the gmtv obviously was a uh is and was a but well, there's two versions that says good morning you in the there's what is it called now is it called good morning it's good morning britain now written now it was gmtv then it's the same it's got the same name it's, it's pretty similar but it went but it went between two different so you were you were in the the original one and then uh they, they, they changed the, the whole yeah, thing and then so they came I back was, to you and I said, was, sorry, we need you back. I, uh, <laughs> it was quite like that. Yeah. I was, so I was, so, I mean, GMTV was a franchise. Yeah. So ITV didn't own it. Um, and, and I came in in 2000, I think it had been going a long time since then, since 1992, something like yeah. that. Um, and I was one of the sort of the later iterations of it. And I stayed there with, I started working on Entertainment Today. It was the showbiz bit I did. That's what I started. So the, I, you know, a lot of my, career at ITV is down to two amazing producers who I'm still friends with now, Misbah Alvi and Ruby Qureshi, who still work in television now. And they basically really went out of their way. And this is an absolutely true story. Um, Misbah saw, saw me on T4 and said, that's the guy we want to do 
uh, Entertainment Today. Took my screen test, so my showreel. Showreel's like your, your CV on tape if you work in telly. Took it to the then editor, um, a sort of a legend within the world of telly called Peter McHugh. Put the tape in and said, this is the guy we want to do it. And he's just a really gruff, angry man. It's rubbish. He's not doing it. He's rubbish. No, no chance. So she phoned me up and she said, have you got a suit? And I said, well, I've got a suit that I wear for funerals. <laughs> and she said, put your suit on, come on and do it. And she, she took me up to a, an opening of a gallery. We did a sort of a, an opening, a showbiz bit event at a gallery. She went, then went back, edited it with an editor, went in the next day and said, what about this guy? <laughs> and he went, yeah, he'll do, he's the one. <laughs> and Peter talked about that sort of, you know, and that was me having been in jeans and t-shirts and stuff and then suddenly being in a suit. Right. And I got my chance because Misba really went out on a limb and right. she and Ruby really sort of nurtured us, me and Jenny Faulkner I did that with. Yeah. And then I was lucky enough to sort of, to keep going from there. That's, it's again, and, and you know, and you know, I've been rude about tipping point, but you are you're amazing. Yes, you're I ama do know. You're amazing on it. It's a very, very difficult job. You do like what four of those, three or four of those a four, day, yeah. yeah. Uh, and to keep it, to be that engaged with it, and keep going, and we, and you know, and and be ex and and not just lose your temper. I would literally, I could do two of them, and then I'd be punching the people. Do you think so? Yeah, I'd be. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> What's wrong with you? So you say I would not. The, be but the only bit, the only see this that's interesting because the only bit I get angry about because <laughs> I don't get angry about them getting questions wrong. <laughs> I love all that, I, you know, because I understand the pressure they're in. I don't get angry about the only bit that get that I get angry about is when they release the counter at the wrong time because <laughs> that is perhaps the only bit of skill in the game. Yeah, genuinely, it, you know, that's <laughs> what's great about it. The one thing we're asking you to do is release the counter as the shelf turns. Yeah, and it's. Amazing <laughs> how bad people are at it. And that's what, it gets to the point where you're like, right, okay, everyone stop for a second. You do know what you're doing wrong. Yeah, okay, let's go again. When do you want to go? Release it completely the wrong time again. And, that, and that's, the, that's the only bit that I would get angry. But yeah. that, I, I'd love that well, as well. I'd, yeah, I'd be angry about all of it. But it's a, it's a very, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a proper skill. And for you to be, keep it, to be able to do essentially the same thing over and over again, a thousand times a show, really. It's like hundreds of times a show and make it interesting is incredible. And something like GMTV is a very, very difficult job, right? Because you've got to, you're going from very light, trivial, trivial things into very serious things. You're interviewing like pop stars and then interviewing politicians. So you've got to be on, and, and presumably without very much preparation for any of this we get, so, if it's daily so i so and I, I sort of i went to sky for four years well i stayed at sky longer but from 2010 and that's when itv bought the breakfast time right. so then they they launched daybreak and then daybreak changed to good morning britain in about 2014 and that's when i i sort of got invited back and it's it's an extraordinary uh world to work in because you suddenly realize how intimate it is as well for the viewers because because the viewers are waking up and they're in bed Mm -hmm. Or, you know, so you are in their front rooms while they're getting dressed, while they're having arguments, where they're trying to get the kids dressed, while they're putting their clothes on. So, and it has to be a little bit of everything, doesn't it? Yeah. And you can get grief because sometimes we might be doing an item on, on Love Island and then the next minute we're talking about COVID with the Prime Minister or, well, not the Prime Minister, he won't come on. But, <laughs> you know, one of the sort of the, the, the Home Secretary or the Health Secretary. And we have to be able to move between those things seamlessly. They talk, you know, and that's... That's a skill that I've acquired from the, from the colleagues that I've worked with. That's not something that I had. I've been very lucky that I've worked with some incredible journalists over, over my time on The Breakfast Show, whether that was a GMTV or Good Morning Britain. Mm -hmm. And they're the reason that I, I can do it. And, and it's, but it is a real, um, it, it's an, it, it, 
to be in that position, to be bringing people their news. We've been, I've been there and I've broken really serious news to people that you know is going to go on and, and have an impact on their lives. And that is not something we take lightly. We've got a brilliant team behind the scenes that, so that we get briefs on every single interview. And those briefs will be very detailed and we've got to try and assimilate all that information and then we've got to put it into a six, seven, eight minute interview. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, there's all sorts of things happening. So there's breaking news happening or satellite feeds might go down. Um, and, and, and you've just got to be able to be agile and, and move with it. And that's what it's very addictive. Sort of aside from the, the early mornings and stuff, doing it is really addictive. There's nowhere quite like it. Being in that live environment and having to deal with what's thrown at you yeah. um, is, is, is something that sort of, you know, you sort of feed off. Because it's, it's, it's very intense. It's really, really intense. And, and, but also brilliant laugh. I mean, I just really love it. But that's you know you're the when when you watch the clips you sort of see how relaxed you all are together you you're, you're bantering with each other and it's you're pushing things a little bit sometimes it gets a little bit risque but uh, but only what will be allowed on, on morning TV which again is a very specific skill to not push things too far you know it's a behemoth it's it's a massive team it's twenty four hour newsroom that's working and then we are on air from six till till nine and then it passes on to the rain and then on to this morning. And there's an incredible team behind that sort of making it work. And it doesn't stop. You know, the, the breakfast show existed before I got there. The breakfast show will exist after I've gone. Uh, and it will, it will keep delivering. And it's, it's about, it's actually, you know, we can do one part of it. But the, the, the real unsung heroes are the, the team that have to put it together and put up with us sort of our complaints about it and what we're trying to do and not listening to them when they're telling us to move on or asking another question when we really didn't need to and hitting break restrictions and all those sorts of things. They've got to manage that. That, that I think, is the really tough job, conducting us and keeping us on air. We just get to sit there and sort of, you know... I don't know. You know, I did do... Uh, about the same time you started, I did the Lorraine show and came on and did a funny funny bit on the Lorraine show and they loved it. They loved it. Like I came in front and they, and they said, and then, so I went back and did one on a Sky show and they loved it. I had all the cameramen laughing. And then I came back and did a Christmas one on the Lorraine show again. And they didn't like that one. Oh. <laughs> so you did three? I did three. Was and that then on, I a never, Sky, on a Sky one was, show? No, it was they, one, one, the middle one was on the Sky one show. The other two were on the, the ITV show. So they were real. And it was like, it wasn't like worth me doing because it was getting up really early and I don't, I think they might pay me like a hundred pounds. Shop window, something. Rich. It's a shop window. But yeah, that's the, but I, this, the You'd third, kill for that now, right? The third, I don't think, I, I could have been you is what I'm saying if I'd only played my cards right. But I think the thing I did was that we're doing kitschy Christmas gifts uh, and that one of them was a snow globe with Joseph with Jesus on his back that you'd shake. And I said, that'd be good for any kids who's, who live with someone who isn't their real dad. <laughs> Uh, so could, they could give that to their stepdad because Joseph isn't Jesus' real dad. Uh, and uh, I think there was also a bit where I had, to, we had to hold hands with Lorraine wearing these mittens that were like lover's mittens, things that we shared a mitten in the middle. I, I can't remember what I said, but it was inappropriate, I, I guess. <laughs> I, well, I can't believe she wouldn't have liked inappropriate. They loved always... me until that one. That's all I'm saying. I did that one and then that was that, then did I was you... out. Not read the room. Is that the problem? <laughs> I don't know. I think I maybe got like, overexcited, like Hank Kingsley from my two successes, <laughs> and then was and then went too far. But it, what I'm saying, it's a hard job because you've got to, you know, to, you've got to, it's a it's a very difficult audience, and it's an audience of, you know, it could be anyone, couldn't it? And so yeah, and you, and, and you've and, got to be. I mean, you know, you're very you're very good at being the right side of the line, which I would not be very good at. I think that occasionally you go the wrong side. It's getting it's getting easier and easier to find yourself on the wrong side yeah. of the line without trying as well. 
Um, and that and that can happen. Um, but I, you know, I think that it, uh, we've always, I think that we've always had this thing that, you know, if, if you're going to say, if, like, if you're going to say it live on television, you've got to know what that's going to look like the next morning in the Daily Mail or mm -hmm. what it's going to look like if someone tweets it. So you've got to, we are all very conscious of that now. That, yeah. has, that, that is something that has changed dramatically over the last few years. Sure. Um, and we are all very aware of it, but even, even without realising, suddenly you will say something and, and find yourself in hot water. You kind of go, that was never my intention. Can't believe that's happened. Why that's happened like that? And you kind of have to sort of, sort of thicken up and be prepared to, to have people sort of say those sorts of things, or just ignore it. Yeah. You know? Well, it goes, but it's that sort of thing that that, that when you do cross the line, it's the kind of thing that's news for a day, and then they're on to the next thing. Yeah, the, unless you really well. cross. Yeah. The, yeah. I mean, it's less than a day. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So, um, what was I going to? Oh, damn, it's gonna, the way you're seamless with these questions that I've always to, admired. So I can cut this. I'll it's cut this flow. I'll cut this bit out. So <laughs> I don't look bad. Got any tips on interviewing? <laughs> how to interview? How to interview? Don't people? read it out of a book. Yeah. <laughs> Got to get it. Oh, that's what I was going to ask what? you. It's not even in the book. Oh, I, that's why I thought of something. There was a bit. I saw a clip where you didn't know what the aubergine emoji was. Did this you, is did true. Did you generally not know what this the aubergine? Is absolutely true. And it was my friend Misbah, who I told you about earlier. Yeah. It was Misbah. We had been merrily sharing aubergine <laughs> emojis until it was explained to me by uh, a sex advisor or, or someone like that. On, I think it's just the, the clip I've seen is just all the presenters and you, you all kind of going, yeah, we have aubergines. It's just funny, isn't it? Sending an aubergine. An aubergine. And you can't send it. Oh, yeah, it was. It was, a, it was, yeah, a, it was someone advising someone, yeah. on dating or... Yeah, or yeah dating. It was a, a And then you go, you can't specialist. send an emoji. You go, what if you're a greengrocer? You're going like this. <laughs> Ms. How actually, can you be that innocent, Ms. Ben? Ba when I saw her after that, she actually bought me the biggest aubergine <laughs> she could find. So then that day, I was walking down the street with this enormous aubergine. But she must have known. Your friend must have known. No. Well, she was sending you aubergines, and you didn't. You were going, yeah, aubergine, aubergine. <laughs> we were both blissfully ignorant. <laughs> we are not quite as worldly wise as you'd imagine. And how have you stayed looking like you're 25 years old? Because you can't be, because you've been going for that long. So... No, how what, so are you? What are you asking my regime? Yeah, I don't know. Well, have you sort of? If you've made some pact with the devil, you don't seem to age. No, I, 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 yeah, I think I do quite dramatically. I have done in the last couple of years. I mean, you've got to Kids. be, you've got to be kicking on for fifty now. I'm forty six, forty seven yeah. in December. Okay, I mean, you look good for thanks. Very good looking young thanks. man, isn't he? Thank you. Rich. Good <laughs> oh, he's gorgeous. Blue likes you. Nice. <laughs> wasn't expecting that but that's great well anyone, in the, anyone in the front row is yours I have that <laughs> I have that power <laughs> yeah I wonder that's yeah. Any, let's do it is it jeans or is it have you, are you doing have you virgin blood or my uh, uh, my my mum on my mum's side of the yeah. family I wouldn't say my dad's side of the family necessarily have uh, the don't haven't been afflicted by ageing um, but my mum's, my mum's and her sister, my auntie Jan is 80 and she doesn't look 80 at all. She looks really young. And my, and my mum as well. They're sort of very sprightly and, and sort of, is it an attitude really, Rich, that sort of helps you stay young rather than... No. I mean, because the reason you look so old is you're so grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> and if you could just turn that enthusiasm around, then I don't know. I don't know. I it's don't know. nice though for you, isn't it? I imagine you're very... Honestly, yeah. I, don't, I don't think I've ever really considered it. Oh. I, th I, 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 I look at myself and think, God, you look really tired. 
That's, that's my, my, my first and foremost. You look yeah. really tired and you look really old. So. But you work very hard, so you should look more. And you'll get up early in the morning and then doing shows all day. I mean, you, you do. There's a, just a lot of work has of gone in to get to. Yeah, it's a bit of graft, but I, you know, but, but I, I feel old. I don't. Yeah, I, I, I've got a knackered knee, a knackered yeah. back. I've got. I'm falling apart. Literally, yeah. it's all internal. Okay. Are you still running? Because I ran, I ran 11 miles yesterday. I heard, yeah. But then I looked at how far you run, and that doesn't feel quite. How so fast good. did you do your 11 miles? I did it in one. I did it in one hour 50 something. Did you run it? <laughs> <laughs> It was up some hills. Oh, okay. But uh, uh, it was about six. Are you six do, you're doing, are you doing, did you do a half marathon recently? I'm doing a half marathon in two and a half weeks. Okay. Are you going to do sub two hours? I hope so. One, um, one hour 57 is my best, but the, 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 the one hour 47 is my best. Oh, but wow. The, that's one hour 47. But um, the, uh, this is uphill and stuff and down, but downhill but as you well. Are you getting your excuses in early? Well, I just think it's going to be quite hard. And yeah, was, yeah, 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 yeah. It was seven years ago. I, I absolutely, I've always loved running. I think there's something really special about it. The ease that you can just put on your trains and get out and, and, and just go. And I'm not very good at doing nothing. Uh, and it just allows me to stop sort of my mind racing and thinking and stuff like that. You're just focusing on what you're doing. But sadly, I've got a, a sort of pretty knackered back from just a lot of sort of rugby and football and running over the years. So I can't run very far. I can't do a marathon again because right. I've sort of problems with my spine. Um, so I've had an operation on that. So the, the, the distance has come down. I can still do it. But then I knackered my knee earlier in the year and I ruptured the ACL, the MCL, tore the meniscus, fractured the knee, cat, just played football and then carried on playing. Because <laughs> uh, it seemed like a good idea at the time. So I'm just, I, I'm very conscious now that I've got two boys that are 16 and 14. You've got your, your kids. And, and actually, I just want to be able to do stuff with them, play golf, go, you know, mess around and stuff. Yeah. So sort of my... Physical output has changed quite dramatically. The thing I miss the most, though, is running yeah. and not being able to do a, a marathon. City is, is nonsense, but even a half—I don't think I could even do a half marathon. Anymore. But you did. Were you the coast to coast? Yeah. Thing? So was that like 156 miles? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Um, so a very good friend of mine, Ivan and Nadine, they have a son called Seb, and Seb was born with a heart defect, and and the the Freeman in Newcastle saved Seb's life. He had open heart surgery very early, and Ivan's always been a really keen runner. So they wanted to sort of do something to raise some money. So we started doing these coast to coasts over a number of years. So we we would, the, when we finished the last one we did, or the second last one we did, we, we cycled across, which was about 180, day, 180 miles in two days. And then we ran five marathons back to back on the way back. Right. Um, and it was, you know, it's brutal and it's stupid <laughs> and painful. We did yeah. some swimming in the middle as well, actually. We swam across Derwent water as well, just for a laugh. Um, but we were doing it for an incredible reason. And if you've got that motivator, which was Seb, who was there and is still with us and is fighting fit and an incredible young man okay. now. Um, and, and the money that they managed to raise over the course paid for a, a playroom in Seb's name at the Children's Heart Unit at the Freeman. And there's a lot of kids that go in there that are having heart transplants and they can be on there for a year and a half. They can be on the ward and, and more issues. So there's this incredible playroom that we all paid for by sort of putting us and, and you know the pain stopped for us and, and that fight for Seb and Ivan and Nadine keeps going because sure. you know he's still growing so it's uh, but there is something bonding about doing something ridiculous like that as well. yeah you know there really is it's just and I that's what I miss because of my back I can't really do that right so I have to do other stuff yeah oh well, it's very it's pretty impressive and it puts my half merit but I've only got one testicle so you know it's <laughs> So it's up and down. It is when you when you when you look at it. When you put it in balance. <laughs> when you look at it, you have did to. Did you get? get uh, you, did you, you can get prosthetic ones, can't you? Did you, you can. Not, I, didn't. Did you, I didn't. Why not? Uh, I thought it was a bit weird. 
because I think it's only for you. It's only for you. The, the... Not just you. Really, it is. Not for your wife. No one, she's not fiddling around back is there. She... Well, back. I mean, if she is, she doesn't, want to get, she doesn't want to get a handful of a pretend testicle, does oh, she? But... Or a mouthful of a pretend testicle. <laughs> She wants the real thing. Get her to the... I've still got one. I can direct her over. Okay. She, I honestly don't think she'd notice. Uh, you don't think she'd notice? I don't think she'd notice. If I hadn't told her that... I've, I don't, haven't told her that one had gone. I don't think we would. I don't think... But if, you, if people are t paying attention to the backing band, then, you know, the front guy's not doing enough, is it? That's what I... That's what I... So if one of the blokes from E17 wasn't in the back doing that, you wouldn't notice, would you? You just go, oh, this. So you're sort of Brian without yeah. the others. But um, I decided it was a weird. Did you look at them? I, did I they did, offer, they did showed they, me them, did yeah. They come on the plate and they say, they did, and they, one uh, of these could be yours. I have seen it. So <laughs> Do it for the caravan. They try and match it up to the size. The doctor, they try to match it up. The, yeah, because to, to make it the same. The doctor told so me I had that? a very thick scrotum, so I wouldn't, it probably wouldn't notice. I haven't really. So do, they, do they sort of try and weigh it? <laughs> well, I just said no straight away. I didn't want them. Charlie Borman, who I apparently look like, his taller yeah. version, yeah. is also got one testicle, and he had a prosthetic one put oh, in. Oh, did he? Uh, but then it was uncomfortable when he was sitting on his motorbike, <laughs> so he took it out again. <laughs> he was so, sitting on it. So if you ride a motorbike, it's better yeah. to be... Yeah, just have the one. Have but one. I, I, I prefer it, Ben. I would advise... The only, the only issue is... You you've prefer got having one? You've got two in case you lose one. So... But then you got one. You go. Oh, what if I if I lose the other one? That's, that's a bit careless. Of, that's, that's really careless. Is there a chance you might lose the second? Well, you know, if it came back, I guess right. that would be. But uh, or you know, just in an accident, or my wife could bite it off because she's so obsessed with my <laughs> yeah. Because she misses having two. Yeah. Um, so I just decided. The, I'm the, it was only about three days after the uh, operation uh, before it all settled down. Basically, the goes to the, the, the other one goes to the middle, so it doesn't. It's it, it, Sort of is okay. So you're monobald. It's like yeah, it's just in the middle. So, like but there was, but about three days afterwards, it I goes caught to the middle. I caught myself. Is that like an instinct? <laughs> I just think there's room in the bed. I'm gonna take it off. Because um, that would be the point, right? Like, if suddenly yeah. you're on your own, you're like that. Oh, starfish in the middle. <laughs> make the most of this. But just after the operation, I I just happened to see myself in the mirror from the side. On one side, <laughs> you look like a tiny boy, and then you turn around the other side, you're a grown man. I thought there might be a musical act in it. And, I, for, and that, at that moment, I thought, oh, this, uh, maybe I should have had the prosthetic. This is a bit, this is a bit, this is a bit weird. But then it all settled down. Because you might fun. lose some parts in the future. <laughs> We're looking for a man with... Oh, sorry, Rich. No. But, you know, if they're looking for a man with one ball... Then I'm you there. are your, your go-to. Yeah. Top of the list. Charlie Borman. Me. Nigel Farage, apparently. Hitler. Don't know why I went there to that <laughs> so quickly. He kept his other one in the Albert Hall, didn't he? He did, yeah. So it's been okay. Did they... Now, here's the thing. Yeah. Genuine question. Yeah. Did they offer you the chance to keep it? Everyone asked this. and Because uh, we, we moved into a house years ago. <laughs> years and years ago, right? And, now, uh, um, and before we had kids, I mean, with this lovely house, and Graham and Shirley were the people that owned the house. They had three boys. Yeah. Jake and the two twins. Jake was about 12 or 13, so he was just sort of hitting puberty. So there was sort of some hormones going off. And they had these three dogs. They had two golden retrievers, and they had this Newfoundland. Now, Newfoundland, I don't know if you know Newfoundland, some of you might, enormous dog, really big, shaggy dog. Now, Jake, unfortunately, was sort of starting to hit beauty, and the dog could sense this. And they kept coming into the room with Jake, the small 13-year-old, being pinned down by the Newfoundland, <laughs> right? They, they kept having to rescue him from underneath the Newfoundland. So what they decided to do was they had to, they had to take the Newfoundland's balls off. Oh, I thought they were going to take Jake's right? balls off. No, no, no. <laughs> 
They may well have done that. They didn't do that. But, but Graham kept them and put them in a jar of formaldehyde and put yeah. them on the mantelpiece. Yeah. So every time we went around, as we, were, we bought the, the house off them, the dog was lying on the floor, just looking at his balls. <laughs> And it didn't move all day, I swear, all day. We'd yeah. go round, whenever we went round, the dog was just there. Pull the balls back. I guess I would do the same. I'd sort of regret, I did, that was my first instinct when they told me, was to, that was, they said, have you got any questions? And my, the thing I wanted to ask, but as I've said this before, but it was, I partly was thinking this would be a great prize for Taskmaster, because I knew I was doing Taskmaster <laughs> Champion of Champions. <laughs> And I, I, I just wimped out of asking, so I didn't ask, but they didn't offer. But I think if you, I think they'll give it to you back for religious reasons, if you want to be buried uh, all yes, as, yes, as yes. one piece. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think they will. Also, it was just all cancer anyway, so I think they take it away and mm. analyse it, so they'd have just given you a mashed up ball. I don't think it would have been... <laughs> but it wasn't even a ball. The whole thing was, was eaten up. So it wasn't really... I don't know how... So it shriveled up like a walnut sort of thing? No, it was massive. Oh, it got yeah, the other so, way. Yeah, it got but it was all just, it was, the whole thing was... Did you really chicken out of asking? Yeah. I, because it was, I mean, it was an emotional moment, but I, it, don't, you don't was, strike me as a man who's scared to ask a question. No. She was still kind of surprised how well, I took it very well. I think she was, and I, so I think it would, I think it would have freaked out. But people must do, because so many people ask me yeah, that question course. that they must get asked it all the time. Yeah. But that wasn't what she was asking. Have you got any questions? Yeah, can I, when, can I collect it? <laughs> do I get it back? Well, because you have a you're presentation. attached to it, right? Yeah, I was attached to it. More or less, all, most yeah. of your life. Yeah, I was, yeah. It was, it was a shame to lose it, but... Uh, I would say it's better without it. If you, if you want to do it as a cosmetic procedure, <laughs> I just think it's nice. It's more, you know, you bet, it's better for running. Yes. Wind resistant. Better for bike. So, uh, you know, when you go to Hollywood and they go, what sort of nose you like? I'll have Brad Pitt's nose. <laughs> yeah. I'll have Tom Cruise's shoulders. I'll have Richard Herring's <laughs> ball back. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go for that. It's better, but it also is just much more comfortable. Is it? Yeah, I just, you know, because it's, I used to. I'm not that uncomfortable at the moment. Well, I, it was big. I had a big, I had a big board, got yeah. bigger, but it was big before. Was it, was it disproportionately, <laughs> like, before, pre-illness? It was, it was quite big, I think. And it was big enough that I didn't notice that it had got sort of bigger. Had it been commented on previously? Would you do this on GMTV? <laughs> <laughs> this way you would go. It's your podcast, <laughs> it <of> mine. <laughs> <laughs> it hadn't been I, I nearly, you know, I'm lucky that I bothered to go to the doctor because I just thought this is a bit weird. But I, but I didn't go immediately. Because so you were used to them being big. Yeah, I just thought, oh, I thought also like... Um, was it like Buster Gonad in Viz? It wasn't quite, it was getting that way. It was, it was definitely bigger, but I also I thought, oh, you get older and, you know, everyone gets, yes, yeah, you yeah. know, you sit on your testicles and stuff and all that sort of thing. <laughs> so I thought, oh, maybe this is just me getting older and it's just the gravity it's like taking... Like a space hopper. It's great, you should know all about the gravity. It's gravity yeah. taking its effect. <laughs> you'd have seen me, you'd, you'd have taken one look at me Straight and gone, away. Richard... Something's going on down there that with your not, counters. That's not falling like it should. <laughs> There's magnets. Well, look, it's, I haven't even asked you any emergency questions. I'm going to have to, we're going to have to wrap up. And there was loads more I was going to talk to you about. Just looking at my little book. You should have a little book like this. <laughs> it's got Pickle Rick on it. Um, I'll ask you one emergency question. Ben Shepherd, <laughs> have you ever tried to suck your own cock? <laughs> I, haven't asked, I haven't asked anyone for a while. I, so I've just, I said to you, I've just been, I've just been at a gym class yeah. with uh, Judge Rind, Rob right, Rind. Okay. Rob Rind is a good friend of mine. Yeah. And I'm saying, I'm coming to do Richard's podcast. He said, oh, right, okay. I said, uh, I said, he doesn't do it. He said, no, he's, he's very well known for asking emergency questions. He said, oh, like what? And I said, like, have you ever tried to suck your own penis? <laughs> and Rob said, 
Haven't we all? <laughs> Every young boy has tried. Um, have you ever seen a ghost? Uh, I, well, I'm not sure. Okay. I did go, you're from York, aren't you? Originally, Originally, yeah. and I did do some filming. I did a show with uh, the amazing Julia Bradbury, and we did a show called Mystery Map, and it was about dispelling myths and things that had happened. And there is, as I'm sure you know, as a local boy, uh, a, an inn called the Guy Fawkes Inn okay. in York, and it's supposed to be haunted. Room number seven is supposed to be on famously. Uh, the room next door burnt down, the building next door burnt down, and the owner sort of ran out and, and was saved or what, something happened. Anyway, they said, right, Ben, you're going to go and stay in it. You're going to stay in the haunted room. Great. So we set it all up. I was all ready to go. And they were in the pub beforehand. If you go with the crew, though, when you're on location, everyone gets a bit carried away and excited. And we just had a few pints, had too many pints. So when I went to bed, I just passed out. <laughs> and I didn't see a thing. But quite frankly, the ghost could have been teabagging me and I wouldn't have known. Because <laughs> I was... I was in the most haunted room in what was supposed to be the most haunted uh, inn and tavern in York, and I just slept through the whole thing. Uh, so he could well have been there. Yeah. Guy, Guy Fawkes or, or the, the landlord yeah. of the time could well have been running around. And I don't think that counts. Does that not count? No, I don't think no. I was too drunk to see the drunk. <laughs> most people are, too, are drunk enough to see ghosts. You that was too drunk. Yeah. I was the other one. Well, look, we better go and let you get your sleep because you might have to get up and do... I'm guessing you're not doing the show tomorrow. Uh, no, no, no. I'm, no. I'm not on GMB tomorrow. No. Are you doing any tipping points tomorrow? No, no, no. I'm doing a run-through for a new quiz, though. Oh. Mm. Any good? Yeah, we're looking for a host, one, actually. One arm bandit? We're looking for a host. No, no, no. It's, 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 it's uh, more cerebral than that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, you can have a word with my manager. I'll be very good on that. I don't know if I... Are you... I'd you... tell people to fuck off. I've just... I'd, yeah, I'd swear <laughs> at people... I'd get bored after doing three shows. <laughs> Are you like, yeah, the best in your price range? Is that yeah, how it I'm works? definitely that. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to pitch some ideas to my get next week's guests. So I won't need any. I won't need any jobs. I'll be a millionaire yeah, after next yeah, week's yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a guarantee. Absolutely guarantee. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please give a massive round of applause to the incredible Ben Shepherd. <laughs> See you next time. Come back and be better than next last week's audience. You have been listening to Rahalastapa with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Ben Shepard. The music is by Scant Regard. Thank you very much. I am indebted to Ben Walker, my producer. Nearly forgot his name. I'm also indebted to Chris Evans, not that one, uh, from Go Faster Stripe and everyone at Go Faster Stripe and everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre and all my friends and family and everyone who knows me. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFasterStripe.com production. Stripe.com production.